0: The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show.
1: On Relevant Radio. You can fix the
2: shattered glass and cover the bullet holes left behind. But the gaping hole in many hearts after two teenage students identified tonight as 16-year-old Robert Boston and 17-year-old Monterio Williams were gunned
0: down during a busy midday in the loop. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio.
2: Yeah, that's such a tragedy. I saw images of those young boys, handsome, big future in front of them, their life snuffed out. In, in a minute, I'll get my... Uh, my Next guest. Maybe to give me some perspective. He's a retired detective, but he's not retired, really. He is, <laughs> he's fighting everything from sextortion to school shootings. And I, I was thinking about this. He was on the air um, with me, oh, I, I don't know, a couple weeks ago or a month ago. I can't remember last time he was on time. It's a blur for me. But uh, Rich uh, Wistacki, you know, he, he lit up the phone and said, look, we talk sextortion, but let's talk about school shootings. I'm seeing all this stuff. you, you remember back May 24th, 2022, Salvador Ramos, he entered an elementary school, Rob Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, about 85 miles southwest of San Antonio. And he started just shooting kids, right? More than an hour and 15 minutes later, one hour, 15 minutes, he was taken down by a tactical team after he killed 19 children and two teachers. You know, last week, the Department of Justice issued nearly a 600-page report analyzing What went wrong? I mean, how did this happen? How did an hour and 15 minutes go by? How did we lose so many lives? What went wrong? As 380 personnel from 24 local, county, state, federal agencies showed up, never went into the classroom where Ramos was to directly confront him. And what the report found, what they cited were just, it was a litany of failures, including you know, not setting up a command post, the school's police officers getting rid of their radios as being unnecessary, and a lack of a urgency in getting into the school. But it just wasn't the police who were at fault. Um, before parents knew what was going on, a, a, a county DA told families, you need to wait for autopsy reports before death notifications were made. And, and one mother spent hours picking glass out of her son's skin because some of the survivors hadn't been screened and and others needed medical care and the list goes on. It was just a horrible, horrible situation. Um, School shootings are horrific. I mean, obviously they're condemnable, uh, but they also are preventable. And that's the thing. If you're a school teacher, if you are an administrator, if you are into law enforcement, I really hope you'll turn up the radio. Do me a favor too. Tell somebody else you know that's in that industry. If you're a parent, pay attention. Because we're about to have a conversation on something that can save your loved one's life, it could save your life. You know, I think most of us, and and myself included, I see these stories, I think they're absolutely horrific. My heart goes out to the parents and to, my heart goes out for the tragedy. Most of us who look at this, we, we look from the outside in, right? Um, there's something, and I often wonder what happens in the mind of the shooter. I mean, there's got to be signs, there's got to be indicators, there's got to be a pattern of behavior that's a common denominator that runs through all of us. Is it social media? Is it being bullied? Is it the type of music they listen to? What is it that we find common amongst all these different shooters? Um, most of us who look from the outside assume that there's just something snaps in in that shooter's head, or he or she grabs a gun and goes into your school. But in reality, 90% of the shooters plan this well in advance. They even tell people online they're about to do it. So what happens is that people ignore those warnings because they, they, they want people to think the best of that person. They don't want to believe that he or she could really do harm. So I've invited somebody in who's analyzed this, who's written about this, uh, who has served our country. Uh, Richard uh, Wistacki knows this very well. Uh, besides spending most of his 30 years in law enforcement, uh, he had a career tracking down child predators and, and getting them off the streets. He's been able to prevent school shootings. And he was with me, like I said. I, Rich, I don't remember the last time you were here. Whether, was it a month? It was a couple of weeks, I forget. It was about a month ago. So time's a blur. But, you know, it was fantastic, this this conversation on sextortion. If you missed it, just search for his name, W I S T O. CKI. We'll, we'll mention it again. You should listen to that. It's a fascinating conversation on how kids really are being manipulated and, and abused. Um, he has a consulting service. You can check him out. It's called Be Sure Consulting. Trains parents and educators on keeping kids safe online and in the classroom. And I invited him to stop by today to talk a little bit about how or why, really. And this is really the important part. Why school shootings? And we have way too many in our country today. They're actually preventable. So you can check him out at bshortconsulting.com. Okay, go there and check all, out all the resources. Great to have you in studio with me today. Thanks for you having me. You and I me. were talking before we went to air here about some stuff, and, yep. yeah, you know, Uvalde, I, I wish I started off talking a little bit about that and that yep. report. I saw you nodding your head as I was talking about some of the yep. stuff, and I know... Um, who is it? McConaughey, um, Matt McConaughey. Matt, Matt McConaughey. I mean, he's he's got a connection there too, yeah. right? Yeah. Fill me in on what happened and what went wrong there. I mean, that's that's such a horror what we saw happen there.
3: Well, a lot of people. I've been in SWAT for twenty three years of my career. Mm-hmm. I was a SWAT sniper for twenty one of those years and trained all over the country. Um, it it is a common practice among SWAT operators. The ones that I have trained with. Uh, as soon as that school shooting sh- starts, you are going in there to terminate the threat. Right. At the risk of your life, no shields, no no BS. Right. You have a gun, you have a pistol, you have a rifle, you have a shotgun. You're going in terminating terminate the threat. You're not going in there picking up kids. You're not going in there. Your goal is to terminate the kids, terminate the, the threat. But when you see, it was beyond my belief that you have close to 20 SWAT operators and not one of them went in. And and a lot of, what a lot of people don't understand, and it was a real wake-up call when I went national, national mm-hmm. training. Um, many school districts have their own police department. And we don't have that in Illinois. Mm-hmm. So you have that in, in Indiana, you had that in Texas, you have that in California, and they had their own police departments. Well, a lot of these police departments, they don't have the money, the people or the appropriate training that they go to. I'm not saying all of them, but some in this case, yes. And you had a command staff that wouldn't let the guys in because they called it as a hostage barricade, but yet people are still getting shot. Wow. I mean, that violates every—we call it ALICE training. That violates every type of ALICE training that I've ever been to, any type wow. of SEAL training that I've been to. If shots are being rung out, it's not a barricade hostage situation. And, and every class I teach, I teach about 4,000 police officers a year. Wow. And, and I tell them, we, guys, girls, we are all on the same page. You hear shots. I don't care what a commander says. You're going to terminate that threat, right? right? I mean, I have to look at every one of them and say, we, we're all on the same page here, right? Just checking on all of you. And that is, is it's just a failure and a travesty that you had. I wasn't there. So what? what why don't they do that? Uh, is
2: it because it's a child? Because it's a young kid? Is that why they don't take that type of action?
3: Well, I, I think it's politics. I think it's chain of command. There is no chain of command when it comes to school shootings. Oh. You show up, you are in there. You show up, you, you hear those shots. You hear kids screaming. You are going toward the sounds of the shots. Period. There is no waiting for a command. There's no waiting for somebody to tell me to go in. F that. I'm not taking any shields. I'm. I am going to risk my life yep. for that person. We have trained this way. We have. We have. Uh, uh, I've been through these scenarios. And and use sim and and it hurts when you get shot, yeah. But I am going after that threat no matter what. Yeah, that,
2: that's wild. Uh, the failure of Uvalde was was staggering. I was asking before we started because you know I I, I see these mass shooting reports come in yes. all the time. Just in terms mm-hmm. of nationwide, and there's like one every week, supposedly. In a mass shooting is what somebody three or four more four or more four people or more being shot or injured in in in, in some sort of gunfire. Uh, school shootings are much less, but what is the number? I mean, how prolific is this? How common is this? And and uh, what's driving it?
3: Okay, so the United States Secret Service did a comprehensive study, and they continue to do so. Dr. Altamari, uh, she has a a group of individuals that d- do the research, and it's it's really really fantastic. Um, when I created this training, it was the it was a 2021 um, Secret Service Threat Assessment uh, Survey. And what she found is that 75% over the last 12 years, 75% of the school shooters had contacted someone on social media. 93% of the ones found had made a post on social media wow. in, a, in a chat forum, in a text message, on a YouTube channel. Somewhere they posted what their intentions were. 93%. That's unbelievable. So I look at that data. And I, I again, I've been a, a cyber investigation since
2: nineteen ninety eight. Just ninety three. That's more than nine nine out of ten. Yeah, is that a cry for help? Is that what that is?
3: It it is a a search and a position of authority. Oh. They want to scare as many people as they can okay. to get a reaction out of people. Yep, okay. Okay. So we talk about commonalities, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, what, what we've, what we've, what we've seen in the research that is done, uh, the commonality is that these, these, these kids have either been sexually abused in the home, mm-hmm. physically abused in the home or mentally abused in the home. That's where it's out. Their foundation, their yeah. foundation of having a, what we call a regular childhood, a, a yeah. functional childhood has been fractured. Okay. So, Whether it's been through some, you know, mental things that have been going on at home, then they try to assimilate in school and they cannot because they, they, they don't know what a real relationship is and, and, and they have a hard time fitting in and then you, you see them going to drugs. You see them going into vape and vaping, smoking weed, yeah, right. uh, video games, you know, GTA, Call of Duty. All of these types of things are a culmination. I'm not saying one particularly is yeah. set someone off, but it is a host of events in their lives. And and well, let's talk about the weed, right? The, so the, the the weed smoked today in a vape oh, yeah. is 90% more toxic and, and effective than Shh. weed 20 years ago. So when you have a 90 to 95 percent TAC level, you're having kids going into psychosis. Yeah. Look at the woman who stabbed her her boyfriend a hundred times. That is a real thing. Yeah, let me ask you about that. I don't want to get too off tangent here, sure, but sure, it mean, sure, sure.
2: was the most bizarre story I ever saw. Yes, I've got a brother-in-law, and um, you know he had heard a show one time where we talked about the psychosis that can happen from marijuana. He didn't believe it, and I saw this report. Could a girl? I mean, is that? That might be a new defense for a lot of people, but can you really go into such a state of psychosis that you murder somebody? She stabbed her boyfriend, what, a hundred times or yeah, something? Yeah, there, like there's a theory. With a, a butter knife. Yeah, there, there's
3: a theory that, I, that I've spoken with uh, uh, Dr. Aaron Weiner, and he's a psychologist, and he is embarking on a study that all the school shootings, uh, all the the regular shootings in yeah, Chicago
2: yeah.
3: is based upon the amount of weed that really? those gang members, those gang members are are, are smoking, wow. because the 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 I care factor in the brain gets shut yeah. down; they're numb. Wow! So when you look at the amount of weed these shooters are smoking in the gangs, the less they care.
2: Yeah, it's all common now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That's why we're having more and more. They just don't care. Are, are, are drugs a factor then in a lot of these school shootings? Can be. I haven't seen research on that, okay. so I, I don't want to comment whether or not. Um, but but what we do see is yeah. the leakage.
2: So, so back to the 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 profile for a school a school shooter like this. We mm-hmm. talked about how prolific it is. Um, I, I remember Virginia Tech, Columbine, a lot of these other school shootings that really made a lot of headlines. Um, quite often, the kids are bullied. So you talk about a fractured. History, abuse in the family. Are we seeing the same thing in the school environment? What gets to the, a lot of kids have been bullied. A lot of kids come from abusive families. Right. What causes that one student to say, okay, snap, now I'm going to kill everybody.
3: Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a culmination of things. So let me, let me put this out to you. Um, so we look at uh, Parkland mm-hmm. and Nicholas Cruz, right? Oh yeah. Uh, his psychiatrist and, and filed a report with the with the court. Saying that Nicholas Cruz says that he's been plotting his assault since eighth grade. And guess where he was doing it? On a Chromebook from school, on a school (sighs) Wi Fi. Oh
2: my gosh, on school Wi Fi. Yes.
3: So here's, here's, here's. So in this class that I teach, okay, school administrators and law enforcement are going together. Okay. It's a three day class. The first day, there's something in Illinois, there's something called the AA Academy. Um, uh, Administrator Academy, they need credits, So I created a class just for them to get their credits, but I infuse it with local law enforcement because here's the breakdown. Every school district has Chromebooks or iPads, right? They have to have web filtering on those Chromebooks and on those iPads. So when when you see this and how was Nicholas Cruz searching stuff? He was typing on his Chromebook. So then you go to what kind of web filtering do you have the the premier ones are bark go guardian lightspeed content keeper and what they do is there's alerts right so if there's porn mm-hmm. if there's like grooming cyberbullying mm-hmm. sexting but if there's self harm and threats that's a higher elevated threat okay but these schools are letting their IT people look at all of these alerts so the IT person comes in the morning on Monday with his wow. coffee, her coffee, yep. yeah, porn, whatever, yeah, okay, grooming, oh, whatever, yep. and they're not taking it seriously. So what I make the schools and law enforcement do is that your SRO, we'll talk about their certification, right? Your SRO must be on that alert list because there are things your SRO are going to know that the school's not going to know. Well, wow. now let's take it back to to the cause, causational factors, sure. right? Yep. Let's say this kid is all of a sudden acting now. It says, I'm gonna get a gun. I'm gonna I need a gun. Where can I get one? Can can yeah, I, right. you know, can I go to the range? anybody got a stolen gun? And the if the SRO gets it, now let's say every police department should be getting a notice when people are getting out of jail, right? Especially if they're getting out of prison. Usually the local law enforcement gets an information for police, right? Yeah, right. So the SRO gets it in his email, oh, so and so, yeah, 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 right if that kid is being abused by his abuser, and that's what fractured his his upbringing, yeah, right. and now that guy is getting out of prison, yeah. going back into the home, that's a reason why that kid is acting out. But school wouldn't know that. The law enforcement SRO would. Yeah. So the SRO needs to be part of that process of going through alerts that are severe in the schools. Yeah. You're that, creating special, that bridge, is that what you're doing? Yeah, so I'm creating the bridge. So, so let's talk about, SROs.
2: And before we do, let me give the phone number. If you want to join us too, you can sound off. You got a question, a comment. You are in school as a teacher or an administrator or law enforcement. You got a perspective. The number's 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. We'll take your calls in just a second.
3: So we look at uh, SROs. There are 30,000 SROs in the United States. 30,000. But only 6,000 of them are certified to be there. That's crazy numbers. Now, what's the difference between certified and not certified? Okay? You have chiefs and sheriffs out there that say, God, who am I going to put in this school? You know what? That guy gets a lot of complaints. He can't hack it in, in the in the streets. I'll hide him in the school.
2: Wow.
3: Or, or a guy who, who grew up with the principal who can't make his law enforcement officer, but he's certified. Hey, I'll get you a job. Just go in the school. Yeah, Right. Or how about that gray-haired dog, right? Yeah. He, he's got 30 years. He's got, maybe he's got two more years and yeah. goes to the chief or sheriff. Hey, uh, you know, I can't put a uniform on anymore. I can't work midnights. Just hide me in the school for a little while. These are the people that wow. sheriffs and chiefs are putting it with our children
2: wow.
3: who are not certified. Wow. So three years ago. Myself, Senator Lightford in Chicago, and a, a wonderful lady by the name of Michelle McAbenny from this Cook County State Attorney's Office, we got together and we wrote and passed the state of Illinois mandatory SRO uh, registration Good for you. legislation. So they have to be a certified juvenile officer in the state of Illinois. Yep. They have to take something called a, a NASRO class, but the state yep. of Illinois has their own training. So when you're an SRO, a certified SRO, you abide, and your ethos is something called the triad. Okay. The triad means you are first a teacher, you are then a social worker mentor to the children, mm-hmm. and then you're a police officer. In that order, in the eyes to the students, the parents, and the staff. Mm. So what happens if, you, if you're hey, dealing with this ethos, you're, you're part of staff, but here's the breakdown in these school shootings. If you're a police department or, or an SRO that doesn't abide by this ethos, mm-hmm. right, what's your job? Your job is to hold security, break up fights, and arrest kids. Yep. If that's your if that's what your line of business is, you will crash and burn. Look at Chicago PD. Yeah, oh yeah. Chicago PD kicked all of their SROs out of schools. You know why? Because they weren't relevant to the school structure. They were not following the ethos. Yeah, yeah. They were not mentors to the children. Somewhere, I don't want. To, I don't want to blanket. Right. I this. never. I never like to broad brush either. Yeah, I, I don't, don't want to do a broad are, brush, but yeah. but when when it I comes it, to having being a member of that community, yeah. it makes a difference.
2: Let's do this. Let's grab a few calls. I know how quickly time's going to go by. Michael's in Yorkville, Illinois. He's got a question for you. Hi, Michael. Good afternoon.
4: Thanks so much to you and also to your guests for what they're doing. Um, and Drew, I know you'll link into this this uh, idea that I have, but. Go back to when Jim Caviezel was doing Person of Interest. Mm -hmm. They were using computer and predictive analytics. With the power of AI, how do we search and let's go to Tennessee where the young lady that went into the school and killed the students had bought the gun legally. AI could read her cell phone. They could read her uh, Facebook profile. They could read these other logs, and they could track her cell phone knowing that she's driving towards that school and deploy police officers immediately. I think the good side of AI could be huge on this to the point of the officer that just mentioned all of these uh, watch outs and these alerts yeah. all those alerts could feed to ai find those people track them just like you can track somebody on your apple iphone your wife or your kids you know keep them safe on the road and i yeah. think we could totally if nothing else if we save one life it's worth it michael just thank you thoughts. for
2: the call let's let's talk about that for a minute if we can um, the digital fingerprints here right mm-hmm. that digital footprint is the biggest right. indicator. I think if you can analyze, and he's saying, let's use artificial intelligence to do that, you could probably save a lot of a lot of lives.
3: Yeah, I mean, what that what what he he's bringing up is a lot of you know we deal with you know this is the good for the country this is, the, but your your Silicon Valley people don't want that because they think it's a violation of their privacy. Right. So we do do something like that, which gets into the meat and potatoes of this class, right? So in our federal government, there is something called ECPA the Electronics Communications Privacy Act. It was born in 1987. And what it says, okay, internet companies, you have all these subscribers and users and customers. There are gonna be four situations where local law enforcement is gonna have to be able to get to the data you have. Number one, you have to allow them to do something called a preservation letter. A preservation letter is the most important part of any internet investigation. When we send a preservation letter, it holds the information for 90 days, and even if the person deleted it, we still get it. Number two, there's something called a subpoena. If we have a crime that we're investigating, we do a subpoena, and then we get non-content related material. We get their, their their name, their email, their phone number, their devices, their IPs, their UDID, their Apple ID. We get that information, right? Number three, it's a search warrant. When we do a search warrant, we, get, we can get everything on the account, okay? Number four is the most important when it comes to school shooting threats. If death or great bodily harm is going to happen or happening now, the law enforcement officer can invoke something called exigent circumstance. We attest and we've seen that, that somebody said, like in cruises, uh, I'm going to be a professional school shooter on his YouTube channel. Right. We take that information. We then do an exigent circumstance within two hours we can find out where it is and where it came Mm -hmm. from. Within two hours, last year, the students who have been to my class, we stopped 55 acts of school violence using this programming. Wow. Praise God. Uh,
2: If you're just joining us, my guest today is Rich Wustacki. We're taking a look at school shootings. And there's some strategy that has proven to be incredibly effective at preventing those. And He's kind of the tip of the spear on that. If you hear terms like SRO and you wonder what that means, that's school resource officer. And uh, we'll take a few more of your calls. I have a few moments here. We'll have to take a break in a minute. But Mark's in Eureka, California. Mark,
1: you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hi, thank you for taking my call, Drew. I just want to, I just want to testify my reaction on the Uvalde shooting. I I was confused and I didn't know, and and, and um. If I may mention Jim Bohannon, may he rest in peace. He had a guest on his a shrink on his show mm-hmm. after the Buffalo shooting, saying we can expect to see more of this because of the COVID lockdowns. And then Uvaldi happened, yeah. and and the media is you know there's there's some good media. It technically, Drew, you're in the media, mm-hmm. but the, I, I question the they threw so how many, how many hundreds of officers showed up in Uvalde is right? like more than a hundred. Right. Mm-hmm. Or. And by, and by, so, and how quickly did the media throw them under the bus? And I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, how, how many were like rookies who, who, what's the difference between a barricaded subject and an active shooter? and, and, all
2: right, Mark. Let me do this because we have a moment or two just, on this side of the break. Want, let me let I wanna, let, me let I just want
1: to. I just want to. I just want to hesitate about throwing throwing people under the bus yeah. who swore to an oath. Okay,
2: appreciate it. We, I think we get your point. He's saying, "Hey, yeah, people showed up. It was an hour and fifteen minutes before people got in there. Um, I'll throw them under the bus." Uh, there has to
3: be a, what is the standard? I mean, you know,
2: you're saying, hey, you get there with shield or no shield, you go in and you terminate the threat, right? We don't even wait.
3: Alice training in our standard operating procedures. And again, it also goes back to training. We train this, we train scenarios three, four times a year with our schools, with our fire department. And if we're not training, because a lot of these small departments don't have trained, to answer the caller's call, there were approximately 25 SWAT operators. What's the difference between police and SWAT? SWAT officers, when you see the helmets, the ballistic shields, the, the you know, the carriers, the AR-15s, yeah, yeah. those are people who allegedly are supposed to be, have the top training. Um, you know, I, I come from Naperville PD and we have our own SWAT team. So we trained rigorously, yeah. you know, twice, twice a month. and um, And we trained with the best. So if you don't have that training, especially that command structure of scenario-based stuff, like we scenarioed right when we were sleeping in our beds and the scenario pops and they have it all scripted out and they want to see how people are going to act and they don't get corrected. So we can go off on a whole left tangent. They don't get corrected to the debrief and everybody is responsible for their own stuff. Right. That was a complete failure. I'll tell you, hold the thought. You take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take a few
2: more of your calls if you want to join us. 888 914 9149. I don't know whether you teach, uh, whether or not you are in administration in a school. I mean, how are things changing for you? And is this a concern for you? You know, you're worried about your own safety. If you're in law enforcement, you've had brushes with this stuff and you want to sound off and join us too, feel free to do that. The number's 888 914 9149. I'm speaking today with a retired detective, uh, Rich Wistackie, and we are talking about school shootings and ways to to prevent them. They are preventable, believe it or not. They are preventable. Too many innocent lives are being lost. So we'll explore that more when I return. Stay with me. Connecting you to the truths of your Catholic faith. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, join Father Rocky this September for a pilgrimage to Poland and Prague. You'll visit the lands of St. John Paul the Great, St. Faustina, Our Lady of Cestachova, and the infant child of Prague. Seats are limited. Information at relevantradio.com slash Poland. That's relevantradio.com slash Poland.
5: On your life connected, it's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well,
2: it's good to be here with you today about uh, about 28 minutes before the top of the hour. If you are just joining me, we are exploring something that um, comes up way too often, and that's navigating the crisis of school shootings, understanding the phenomenon, and ultimately, what are the solutions to it? You know, and, and quite often the media gets all over this when there's a shooting like in Uvalde or Virginia Tech or Columbine or Parkland. Any of these types of places, you'll you'll hear it. Um, I have the great opportunity today to be in studio with uh, uh, a detective who's made this really part of his mission. He's traveled all over, and he's got a great website. I want to plug that plug you into that too rich with is in studio with me today and um, detective you know the United States has been grappling with this disturbing trend of of school shootings a crisis that uh, you know concerns parents of course educators law enforcement everybody's involved in this and you wonder what's causing it and how do you best respond we talked a little bit about the profile of the shooter how do most of these things get reported how do they come in and then what should somebody do when it does? And then we'll grab a few phone calls from around the country. A lot sure. of people want to
3: talk with you. So uh, the the reason why I teach this this class with your school administrators, and who are the school administrators? It's your IT people. Mm-hmm. It's your school social workers. It's your deans. It's your principals. It's your superintendents. And then I have your SRO, school resource officers, your detectives, your prosecutors in this class for three days, Okay. The first day is mandatory for all school officials because I have to take in the failures, right? And I have to give everybody on the same page on what to do. Mm-hmm. So I created a fantastic flowchart. So how do these threats comes in? They, they come in three ways. They'll come in through a phone call or a message left like, there's gonna be a school shooting and a bomb left at Plainfield North High School, right? That was one that we did last October. Wow. One of my SROs who took all my classes were able to find out where this kid was in Atlanta wow. within two hours. Wow. That's how fast That's it phenomenal. happens. The second way is our our state websites called Safe to Say or Safe to Act, yep. which are anonymous websites that kids can post on if they see something. Mm -hmm. So the third way is social media. And I already explained ECPA, right. And, and how we can get that Mm -hmm. data within, within an hour or two. So in this flowchart that I created, um, on, it shows those three ways and how we investigated, how do we use the three step process of the investigation, but it all starts with the kids knowing what to do. So we start out, I teach about 300,000 students a year, right? So, so, Teachers come to my come to my website at BeSureConsulting.com and they 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 want to know when I can come out, when my team can come out, and then we teach the kids. Mm-hmm. We teach the kids, if you see something, say something. Now, I want to give a shout out um, to the I Love You Guys Foundation. Right. Um, David Michael, is his he lost his daughter in Colorado and he created the I Love You Guys Foundation. I Love You Guys is the last text his daughter sent to me before oh, she was horrible. murdered. So what they do is they go through schools and they have like 50 instructors Mm -hmm. nationwide and they come in the school and they teach the kids how, why it's important if you see something, say something. So then I take, uh, John, John David stuff, uh, John Michael, sorry. Mm -hmm. And then I go to the next level. Okay. Teachers, when a student comes to you, there are five things you need to get from the student. Number one, I need screen captures of everything. The chat. The profile, what she said, what he said, the pictures, the videos, screen capture, screen capture, screen capture, print that out and make it a file somewhere. Mm-hmm. The second thing I need is the user ID. And we show the kids what where the user IDs are in Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram. Wow. If we don't have the right user ID, we can't do the case. Right. Number three. Many school officials, and even law enforcement officers, will tell the person reporting it, oh, just tell the social network at the abuse section. They'll take everything. They'll take care of everything for you. That is the worst possible information you can give a student.
4: Because
3: yeah. here's what happens. If they go ahead and report to the abuse section, they might, that might be a violation of their terms of service or what they call TOS. Yeah. It's a violation of TOS. They'll delete the account. Hmm. And then when they go report to the police, We go do our subpoenas, our search warrants, and everything. What are we going to get back? Nothing because it's already been deleted by the social network. Okay? Number four, I need a detailed type statement as to what happened and how it made them feel. The reason why how it made them feel is so important because in the United States, law enforcement officers cannot be alarmed and disturbed. So they can't write in a search warrant based on what the student... Told me I was alarmed and disturbed, therefore it's a crime. We can't yep, do that. Right, right, right. But if a student says I was alarmed and disturbed, this is why I'm reporting it. And number five, I need everything that I just talked about. printed out. Put in a flash drive. Not one flash drive, two flash drives because sometimes cops do yeah, stuff. Right, just right. saying. So they, <laughs> they give the printouts and the flash drive yeah. to their SRO. Yep. And within two hours, they're running with it, and we can find out where it's at.
2: Let's do this. Our lines are, are stacked. we got calls
3: from all <laughs> over that want to talk to you. If, by the way, if people want if teachers or
2: parents or law enforcement wants more information, what's the best place to go?
3: So go ahead and to go to BeSureConsulting.com. Be sure go to the bottom of my website. Fill out the subscriber information. Mm-hmm. Or you can email me at Rich Wistocki, W-I-S-T-O-C-K-I, at BeSureConsulting.com. B-E-S-U-R-E Consulting.com.
2: Okay, be sure,
3: Go check it out. I think it'll be
2: well worth uh, the time. Caesar is in Richmond, Virginia. Let's start with him. Hi, R- hi, Caesar. Good afternoon.
5: Hi, Drew uh, and Detective. Thank you for your service. Uh, so, I was a law enforcement officer at a university here for five years, and um, just anecdotally, are private Catholic schools safer? And and I know in Nashville, oh, I think that might have been a uh a private Christian school that that was the victim of that um it was it was there, yeah. but, uh, but you know are our kids safer in private great question. school? Um, and uh you know that's it thank you um,
2: hey thank you thanks caesar appreciate your service and and that's a great question great
3: yeah great question caesar i I mean uh when you look at the thing that happened in in Nashville you you saw her um, dissertation on her social media and you saw how she was displeased with the school. Mm-hmm. She was, um, she alleges, some things that had happened while she was there. That's why she is taking a retaliatory and and wanted to shoot up the school. So again, you know, I, I go to these schools all over the country, and I look at the building, and I'm like, why are there no numbers over this door?
4: Wow.
3: Or why 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 is this door open? Mm-hmm. And again. These schools said, ah, we'll get to it. I ah, will get to it. And, and that's what happened in New Valley. Ah, we'll get to it. Well, yeah. when you get to it, it may be too late. It, it's as matter. And here's the problem with Catholic schools. A lot of the, when we do scenarios, yeah. they don't want to upset the children. So they don't want to train with us. I'm not saying it's everybody. Yeah. That's been my experience. It's just Catholic schools or
2: s- school teachers in schools. general.
3: Yeah, because you know they don't they don't want to. Uh, I'll do my air quotes. Yeah. Traumatize the kids with our presence. You know what I mean? And and there's some schools, Catholic schools. I can't even when we talk about sextortion. Yeah. I can't mention the word sex.
2: Yeah, right.
3: What, what's your thoughts on teachers having a gun? <sighs> I, you know, here's the here's the thing. What, what teachers having a gun? Um, there's a lot of training involved do we need another player to bring a gun to school? Uh, let's say it's a five, eight female who knows how to shoot a gun, but can be overpowered by a football player. Yeah. And now you're bringing a gun to school. All right. It's good. We
2: got lots of calls. So I, we, you and I can talk for hours, let's let's, go go through. (laughs) Let's go to Brooklyn, New York. Rocco is listening to us there. Rocco. Good afternoon.
6: Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. I'm sorry. this early on, but, um, you know, I feel a lot of the root causes of 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 this problem, school shooting, and a lot of other problems we see in society is the breakdown of the family. Absolutely, and if Amen. you track if you track back the breakdown of the family, what's causing a lot of the breakdown of the family? I believe unchaste behavior. You have kids having kids out of wedlock. You have, and what breaks up uh, a family? Uh, you know, the man goes off and does unchaste behavior, and the family breaks up and so until this is addressed i think the next generation addresses this or, or accepts this i think we're going to continue to see it and and i just want to encourage the listeners if if they if, if they can if, to support places that mm-hmm. that uh are trying to spread chastity like chastity.org uh tobinstitute.org or corazonpudo.org these are all places that are trying to teach the next generation uh, to live a chaste life. And I think that'll solve a lot of our problems and just talk yeah. what, what you guys thought
2: about that. R-Rock, first of all, thanks. Great suggestions. Uh, thanks for those websites. It's an, a point I didn't think about. I mean, I'm sure we're seeing more school shootings today than we ever have historically. Right. Clearly, there's a breakdown in the, in the family, the traditional family, the yeah. way it used to be. Is there a correlation between the two?
3: I think there, there may be some correlation, but you look at the Oxford shooting where both parents were in the house. Yeah. Uh, however, I think going to another deeper level, you have parents trying to be friends with their kids. So let's mm-hmm. take the Highland Park shooting that happened right down the street, right? Uh, the, you have a dad who was best friends with his son. His son he had mental health problems. Yeah. Son wanted a gun. Yeah. Mom told him, look, if you bring a gun, you guys are both out. Yeah. And they were both out. Yeah. But dad still got him the gun. Should parents be held responsible if a kid takes their gun and shoots? Uh, I Yeah, because it's the parent's responsibility to lock that gun up. I, I, ha, you know, I have a lot of contracts with schools, and I handle all their cyber stuff, yep. whether it's taking out videos, doing an investigation. Yep. So I have a team of seven instructors that we do this. We have contracts with all kinds of schools from Oregon to Florida to Texas to here. So uh, what we do is, for example, I, I teach my kids in the schools that we have these contracts in, if you see something, say something. Yep. Just to give you a point – we had a kid in sixth grade. Uh, the kid says, I'm going to take my AR, my dad's AR, and I'm going to shoot the principal. So what does he do? He goes run into the dean and said, this is what I heard this kid say. They call me. What do I do? I said, call the Will County Sheriff right now. So the Will County Sheriff came in. They met with the kid. They got all five things, wow. right? Good. And so they went right to the parent's house. And the, the, the dad had numerous AR-15s wow. in a safe. So they gave yeah. the dad an option you change that code on, on that safe right now or I'm taking every gun you have for safekeeping. Wow. And so then they did a psych eval yeah. on the kid yeah. and there was this whole thing that I found what was going on with the parents and the yeah. kid and he was only in sixth grade. Oh my gosh. Thinking these things. So again, Shh. everybody has to be on the same page. Yeah. The kids have to know how to reach a domino effect. Yeah, right. The kids have to know how to report The the administrators have to know the five things, and your law enforcement officers have to do the right thing. Dot your I's and cross your T's and go all the way.
2: Uh, Up next is uh, Kenneth. He is in uh, Richmond, Virginia, as a retired teacher. Hey, Kenneth.
5: Hey, guys. Thank you for taking the call. As a retired teacher, I I can see where you're coming from, but I think you're using a broad brush to paint this. Your last caller hit upon it uh, somewhat bottom line is, is when I was teaching and I taught in multiple states, the administration of the school system has to buy into this program and the parents have to buy into the program. So you can have the most wonderful mm-hmm. program out there and do all of these AI checks, but unless administration from the schools, the teachers and the parents buy into it, it's not going to work. I've, I've lived this in reality.
3: Do you have a um, like in Illinois? There's a regional office of education, and that's who I target. I, I've given up on law enforcement because uh, bringing this 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 class to law enforcement it takes them six months to talk about it and it takes them a year to put in their budget. So, when, in in schools, they have something called SEL funding, social emotional learning, and it, through Correct. that social emotional learning funding that they have, uh, the schools are in, in the the regional office of education or your ISDs or ESDS, whatever you call it in your state. They are the ones with the purse strings and they're the ones will determine down to the school district if we're going to do this training or not. Now, now all and the reason why I and, and I appreciate your call, but what what are the one things that administrators need in order to fill their uh, required um, uh, trainings? They have to have credits. Right. So I offer those credits. So which causes them to get the class and law enforcement has to fulfill mandates, and I use my, my class that's certified in almost every state in the United States. I get it certified, so everybody gets credit. The teachers get credit, the, the administration gets credit, and my law enforcement officers get credit for going to the class.
5: Well, I'm glad to hear that, but again, just give you one quick scenario, and then I'll get off the line. Sure. Uh, when I was in one public school teaching in uh, Virginia, when we had what they call lockdown, where everybody was supposed to lock down, We were told to lock the doors, pull down the window, and go hide in the corner with the kids. I told the SRO, who was phenomenal, but he was being held uh, responsible by the administration. Certain things he wasn't even allowed to do. But I told him, no, I'm not going to hide. I'm going to stand by the door so if the person breaks the window, reaches in to get the doorknob, I need to stop that from happening so we can't get in. The SRO was in my corner, but the administration said, no, you have to follow the rules.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, again, that's why we need to train. Amen. So so if that was a scenario, we would put that in our scenario and yep. see how it worked out for you.
2: But hey, Kenneth, thank you for the call. I'm up against the clock. I'm going to take a short pause. If you are on hold, I'm going to get you on the air on the other side. If you want to try to get in, the number is 888 9149 Taking a look at school safety, protecting our children, and preventing school shootings it is possible i'm in the studio with the detective who's made this submission, and uh the evidence is there so our conversation will continue stay with us we go there the drew mariani show on relevant radio and the relevant radio app hey today we'd like to thank tom who is listening in illinois for donating his 1978 slick craft boat you can join tom and thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles trucks boats and rvs by visiting RelevantRadio.com slash car. That's RelevantRadio.com slash car.
0: So if they could take them off of the gaming platform to go to private chat, shoot, they got them. We've been friends for so long, do you want to see what I really look like? Then they send them three or four pictures of themselves naked. The common denominator of every sextortion case is this. When they send them those pictures, I ask kids in school, how many of you have ever received the text after you received pictures, now you owe me one pic? I'll get five, 10, 15, 20 kids raising their hands. But what I tell them, if you ever received the text after you received pictures from someone, now you owe me one pic, you are about to be a victim of sextortion. And they take a boob shot and they give it to him. Three days later, that friend they known for so long says, Hey, how do you like your new Instagram account with your boob shot and your name on your other pictures I have of you on it? I'm gonna send this to your team, your family, your church if you don't make me videos every week. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio.
2: that's part of a conversation I had with Detective Rich Wistocky, who's dedicated his career to combating cybercrime, particularly those involving children. And if you missed that conversation, just I don't know what it's flagged, Maggie. Is it called sextortion? Because a lot of kids with with phones today, man, they're being manipulated. And and, uh, Detective Wistocky's commitment to protecting kids... Uh extends to the creation of laws in the state of Illinois, such as the sexting law and the sexual exploitation of a child law. Uh, in addition to that, his law enforcement work, uh, he's been very proactive in developing innovative programs to keep your kids safe in school. And if you're just joining us, we're trying to – I, I, I want to get you plugged into this. And, Detective, you and I were talking during the break, Right. These programs are more than an assessment program. This is available to parents, to teachers, to to law enforcement. Very quickly, so we have a few minutes here, and we'll jump into the phones. Explain what this is, how people can access it, and how it will benefit them.
3: So, again, uh, we need to have our school districts uh, contact me at com or Rich Wistocki at com, where we can do this uh, this this class. Now, now I had to be very clear that this is not a threat assessment class. Yeah. It's not looking at a set of data and making a conclusion. No, this is when a threat comes in, what do we do in the most expedient way so we don't have to shut down the school and traumatize our kids? So many of these are swatting cases, right? With the tools they learn in this class, they go ahead and they find out who the kid is They have posted no matter where they are in the United States and they can track it. E- even if a kid has a VPN, we can still track it. So the mission of this class, and I tell everybody on the first, first few hours of the class, if anybody asks you what this class is about, this is about the mental health of our students. The primary focus of this class is to give the kids making these threats the mental health help they need before the shooting starts. That is the primary mission. The secondary mission is that once we've identified who the kid is, the student is that's making the threats, we get them in a safe place whether it's in a hospital or even in custody. Mm. But the second mission, the secondary mission that we, we go to is they're executing three search warrants. They're executing a search warrant on the home where they say their weapons are or their bombs. We're executing a search warrant on their social media. And there is their deepest, darkest secrets and the conversations they're having with the internet and their searches and what they're looking for, like Adam Lanza. Over the last 10 years, mm. the common denominator of the school shooters are researching Adam Lanza, who did Sandy Hook. Wow! So when you make that an alert word on your school web filtering, that is an alert for your SRO to grab. Yeah. So the primary focus yeah. of this ca- of this class is to is for the mental health of the student making the threats. The so best way to get connected to learn more. So it's BeSureConsulting.com, B-E-S-U-R-E, Consulting.com. And there are numerous grants out there. Yep. People are using their SEL grant in Illinois. We work off the i let us uh, Executive Institute, has a uh, federal grant from HSI. And uh, you know yep. Matthew McConaughey, Yep, he established, because him and his wife are from Uvalde, yep. and they wanted to do something. So what they did was they created a non-for-profit called the Greenlight Project. For all you educators out there, Google that, Matthew McConaughey Greenlight Project. He hired numerous grant writers to access the billions of dollars for school districts. All you got to do is fill an application, and one of his people will be with you within the next three wow, days. That's fantastic. Janelle in Tempe, Arizona, thanks for waiting so long.
2: You're on the air. Hi, can Janelle. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can now. Go over right to
7: Thanks. Yeah. So just, the Second Amendment saying uh, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a mm-hmm. free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms yeah. shall not be infringed. Right. For like 200 years, uh, this Second Amendment was thought to be referring to privileges belonging to the military, but starting around 1970, uh, the view gradually changed mm-hmm. until it solidified in 2008 in a Supreme Court decision, which found Second Amendment did, did intend to give individuals the right to bear arms. So we're talking, I thought, we're talking hunting rifles, small firearms for personal protection, but really not assault-style military weapons to be used by civilians, to be able to be purchased by civilians. You know, civilized countries around this world don't have this problem like the United States does because they don't allow, most of them do not allow their citizens to go and buy Military assault weapons. Right. And you know, so we've got- it's a great point.
2: Let's talk about it, okay? Because it's a great part of the conversation. One of the objections we often hear, one of the reasons they say we have school shootings is because weapons are available. I think New Zealand did away with theirs after their last school shooting. Can't get those type of weapons anymore. Gun control. What role does that play in mitigating school shootings? I know you had an encounter with Dick Durbin as well. Maybe you could share some of that. What does the role of access to guns play in this?
3: So I I remember, I think it was the Nashville one that prompted me to contact 75 uh, congressmen and state senators in Washington and I told them how we have the ability to stop school shootings at least 75% of the time. And I would love to present my my findings to Congress and show them a real-life way that we can stop it. And 75% of them is through leakage. And so I out of the 75 emails that I sent to all these congressmen and senators, I get a return from one person. Wow. And that was Dick Durbin. And that's only because Dick Durbin, I'm his constituent. And he sent me this really nice letter. Thank you for your service, but it's about gun control. And I, I told him, I said, well, it's not about gun control and I'll show you what it's about. It's about mental health of our students. And uh, then when I when I saw that, he like kind of cut me off and blew me off. So I put him on blast on my social media. And then all of a sudden, a week or two later, I get a call from one of his staffers say, hey, we'd like to have a meeting. I was like, great, I'll bring my educators, my team members, and we'll have a great meeting with Dick Durbin and his staff. So meeting day comes, I put on my Zoom, there's a female who's about 20, 20, 21 years old. And I'm like, where's your staff? And she goes, it's just me. I'm like, are you the intern? And she said, yeah. Huh. She goes, I'm here to to listen to what you have to say. I said, well, listen, this is what this program is about, but I'm not interested now. Yeah. And I hung up on her. Wow. It, it, it's it's it. Don't waste my time. When I have this vital information. Well, I got to leave it right there. My apologies, everyone on hold. Uh, My guest
2: today, Detective Rich Wostocki, the website to learn more about sextortion, about, uh, you know, how to keep your kids safe at school and so much more. BeShoreConsulting.com?
3: BeShoreConsulting.com. Also, uh, NBC did an investigative report on my claims. And if you go ah. to NBC Chicago Investigates Detective Wistocki, you will see that they went through my social media and they talked to some of the officers who went to my class. They even showed up at one of my trainings. And okay. they open we opened their eyes as to what we can do.
2: BeShoreConsulting.com. Check it out. Coming up next, Cal Clark. Stay tuned for him. I'm out of time for the day. News and headlines are straight ahead. Until our paths can cross, have a great day. I'll be praying for you. Say a prayer for me. God bless you.